Having agency is defined as the capacity of individuals to act independently and to make their own free choices. Tune in to get an inside look at the inspiring uphill climb of businesswomen from around the world. I'm your host, Cheryl Gillihan, and this is Woman-Owned Agency. Leah, it's so great to have you with me today. I am so excited because I haven't seen you in so long. So virtual is good enough, but I can't wait to see you in person and actually hug you again. Um, You know, it's been a while since we've actually been together in person, but the audience may not know who you are. So please, Leah, uh, tell us a little bit more about Think3 Media. Yes, and it has been way too long. I don't know if that's a good thing, Cheryl. (laughs) We need to connect. Um, but virtual will do. Uh, my name is Leah Frazier. I am the CEO of Think3 Media. I am an attorney that left the practice of law to pursue many entrepreneurial ventures, um, leading me to Think3 Media, which provides creative marketing and communication services. We started out with startups and entrepreneurs, and now it's grown to nonprofit organizations and major projects and events and banks and um, larger to mid-sized corporations. And so that's what we do when you think of your basic internet and online marketing and you pair that with press and media and all the ways to build buzz for your business. That's who we are and what we do. And I love it. I love it too. So your journey has been a little bit crazy because you didn't have this direct path. Like I want to start a business one day. Um, So I want to hear, hear this. It's always so interesting to unpack that story and see how messy it is to get to entrepreneurship. So I'd love for you to share that with our audience. And it's still messy all these years later. Um, Yeah, so I had absolutely no plans on being a business owner, um, being an entrepreneur. I was very happy as an attorney. My plan was to be a partner at the firm that I was at. It was a woman-owned firm, and I love both partners, and I'm like, I am vying for that spot, and they knew that I was, so I was just on that path. Uh, Not the sexiest area of law, practice bankruptcy, I represented banks, But I loved what I did until one night, you know, I started to have these dreams. I really loved fashion and clothing and shoes. So every time I got a paycheck, I went straight to, you know, shop a little bit for myself. And I was having these dreams. I was having these dreams about like clothes and shopping. And I was obsessed with uh, Rachel Zoe, who is a Hollywood celebrity stylist. She had a show on Bravo at the time. So I really thought I was going crazy. Like maybe I'm watching too much TV and it just wouldn't go away. And it kind of sparked this bug where I'm like, well, what if I was like Rachel Zoe, but for women attorneys in my city at the time I was in Houston? I was like, I could do that on Saturdays and Sundays. And so I just dipped my toe in and I, my intention was to create a hobby. Maybe every other Saturday I will organize a closet or go take a gal pal attorney shopping. I did not intend for it to be anything. And that decision in, I I got certified as a personal shopper, built a website. I didn't know what the heck I was doing and (laughs) did a great job with one attorney at my firm. I said, hey, let me just start with you. And she went all in, her husband paid for the whole thing. Then she told somebody else who told somebody else who told somebody else. 
And before you know it, I had this full-fledged like business of being a personal shopper in Houston and began blogging on my site, which turned into becoming a Houston fashion reporter for multiple news outlets. And it turned into TV and going to fashion week. And I was just letting all these things unfold. And you're right, it was crazy because full-time during the day, I'm an attorney, I'm in court and not just any court, federal court, you know? <laughs> and so it was just nuts until one day um, when I moved back to Dallas in 2010, I had to make a decision. And I, I kept the attorney and the fashion side by side for about seven years until I got really tired and I'm like, I'm just exhausted. And I chose my passion at the time, which was fashion over being an attorney. And I left the practice of law with six figures and law student loans. And here I am today, the fashion piece ended up, I ended up learning a lot about being an influencer. I became, unintentionally became an influencer, learned a lot about being a journalist, had great media contacts. So I just took all of the stuff that I gathered over those past seven years at the time and created a small marketing company for small businesses who didn't know how to market themselves. And, and they were primarily in the fashion industry at the time. And I was doing social media for them and helping them get on TV and doing all that stuff. And I had no formal business name. I was just like, uh, I'll just freelance until they started telling somebody who started telling somebody who started telling somebody. And then I came up with Think3 Media and to this day it's grown outside of fashion. We've done beauty, we do tech, we do startups, mid-sized companies, businesses. It's just crazy. And we have media contacts locally, regionally, nationally, and it's just been the craziest journey. <laughs> oh my gosh. And there's so many different questions that I have right now and so many different ways we could go with this conversation. I mean, one of them being, it, it wouldn't have been the same if you had gone to school for marketing and gotten a marketing degree and then said, I'm going to start a marketing company, right? It had to happen organically and the way that it did so that you could learn the lessons that you learned for it to kind of turn into that. Sometimes, you know, I've had several conversations with other women and we, myself included, feel like, this just kind of fell into my lap, you know? And I just had to take the leap of faith and grab onto it. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. And one of the things that I do, I'm an adjunct at several universities and the reason they hire me on is because we have enough, you know, professors or people that teach theory. We have enough that can teach you what's in the textbooks or what all the different terms mean. But we don't have enough people who actually went out there and did it and can tell you, you know, this works out of your MBA and this doesn't, you know, and to your point, it fell into my lap. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea about business, invoicing, taxes, uh, like, like uh, clients, systems, processes, scaling. I was like, what's scaling? Should I know what that phrase means? Because all the entrepreneurs say it you know, hiring. I didn't know about any of those things. I just knew that I loved what I was doing. It was becoming a little too easy how great everything was going and maybe I should try it out. That was the extent of what I knew. And I just went with it and it became this full-fledged business. And I learned the technical stuff along the way. Yeah. You do learn a lot along the way in owning a business. I mean, 
I feel like I'm learning something all the time. Like if I hear somebody in a new state and I go to like the state website, I'm like, why is there a different website for workforce and workers comp versus, you know, the labor department versus the, just why? (laughs) I'm always trying to figure out new things. (laughs) That's me. Like, I feel like it's every week where I, you, you never really get comfortable because there's always something to tack on to the knowledge. And I'm a okay with that. I mean, I left law and I used all my savings and I mean, not, I did, I lost quite a bit because I didn't have some bearings as far as how to run a business. And so I invested a lot, I lost a lot, but I made it all back. And to your point, I make sure that I'm trying to learn new things every single day. And it's just, it's always a surprise. (laughs) There's always something that's a surprise. I'm like, oh, I didn't consider that. Okay, we should do that. <laughs> well, I have loved watching your success. It's been so great. And on the fashion side of things, I mean, like you're still so involved in that space and I love it. Um, I follow your Instagram and you're always got, you've always got these fabulous outfits. Uh, so speaking, I can't really see, but I definitely have some fun, fun little pants on. So speaking of that, you know, when I stepped in, actually, before I was the owner of Cause Labs, I stepped in as the CEO and I realized, like, I need to dress the part. (laughs) I, like, need to look like a CEO and I actually need to, like, show up to everything. You know, I think the first step really in um, building the brand and awareness of your company is, like, showing up. And Mm -hmm. so I started going to all these events and that's where I met you is at one of these uh, local events here in the DFW area. And I remember, you know, thinking, gosh, these, these women are just always looking so fabulous, including you, you were always looking so fabulous and always had something new on. And I thought I need, I need to look the part. And so, you know, it was probably a couple of years later when I talked to you about it, but I was like, oh, my secret, I rent my clothes now. (laughs) That was one of the best decisions I made when I stepped into the CEO role was to rent my clothes. One, because I couldn't afford buying, you know, like really well-designed, I mean, designer label clothing. I couldn't afford that. You know, I was a pretty new young CEO, didn't quite know what I was doing yet. Um, And then I also, you know, didn't feel like I needed to clutter up my closet with all of these outfits, you know? And so I was like, oh, what's a more sustainable way to do this? And found clothing rentals. And I saw one of your posts about it. I was like, yes, I'm totally on board with that. (laughs) Yeah, we were working with at the time, uh, Rent My Wardrobe, um, which was now sold to, I believe the company's name is just Wardrobe, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, the wardrobe rentals was like, a thing and it's so funny because I went from being like like you said I had so many different outfits and clothes and 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 shoes and all that and this recent move I just moved um into a house uh in November and I was trying to actually minimize it's like I've gone on that other spectrum of entrepreneurship where you have like this minimal lifestyle and you know, you try to, you, you know, you just try to be as simplistic as possible. And I still, even getting rid of six huge bags of clothing and shoes and handbags, 
I still had to buy wardrobe racks for the guest bedroom for all my clothes. <laughs> and everybody that comes over is like, you have so many clothes. And I'm just like, I, I, this is the small version of everything that I have. And I, I, I still, I don't know, Cheryl, I don't know. <laughs> you gotta dress, you do have to dress the part. I would say in the beginning, you know, when you're trying to establish yourself and you're trying to get to know people who don't necessarily know you, unfortunately, when it comes to image, people do, we're, we're judgy people. We judge like, oh, she came in here with ripped jeans. And now if you have ripped jeans on and like some heels, that's different. <laughs> But you know, like we're, we're, we're super judgy until we get to know one another. And then we know, oh, well, she's a bad CEO. She's got it going on. So you do have to establish yourself externally, you know, until people can really get to know you and what your business is about. So you do need yeah. to make that investment, whether it's rental or owning, make the investment. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, you know, regarding image, uh, some of the things that I tell young entrepreneurs is, you know, what is your brand? How do people recognize you when you, you know, show up in a crowded event? You know, are, are you always wearing a hat? You know, do you have a certain coat that you wear all the time? Um, you know, it, what's your look? You know, they, the Steve Jobs thing is that he always just had the black turtleneck on, right? Yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of like, he's known for that. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm always going to wear a different outfit. So like, what is my brand? What is my look? What's the thing that's going to make me stand out? I tried hats for a while. I actually love like the 20 style hats. <laughs> um, so I have a few of those, but it's turned into my hair. So I have this I haircut like that. that I've had for like, like over it. 10 years now. And it. during COVID, I let it get long. And I was like, oh, this is one, it's weird. Um, but two, I was like, I can't go to an event. Nobody's going to know who I am. And they're like, Cheryl, people, people know what you look like by now. And I'm like, no, like people do recognize me by my haircut. So I, I think that there's certain things, you know, your glasses. Yeah, you my know. glasses now, I got these during COVID and now it's, it's a thing. And I remember like, I was actually the opposite where I wore my contacts all the time and I rarely wore my glasses. And now, you know, with when COVID happened and having to be on screen and the blue light and all the other stuff, went with this decision. And of course, because of who I am, they're a designer, had to pay a little extra, get a little Tom Ford in my life. Um, but it became because they're like this, this cat eye and they're kind of, you know what I mean? Like people are like, we really like your glasses. And I would try to take pictures at some, some in-person events and normally I'll take them off and I'll be like, okay, let me get myself to it. They're like, no, no, no. Put your glasses back on. <laughs> like, what? Normally it's the other way around. And no, they like it. Now it's kind of become a thing. And I, even I was walking in my neighborhood last week and somebody recognized me. I had my glass, you know, I had my glasses on. It was like, Leah, Leah, Leah. And I'm like, I am looking real crappy right now. And yeah. So it is a thing. Very it much a thing. thing. Yeah, Very definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, so, I mean, let's go back to the, the business side of things and the marketing. I mean, that's your, your specialty is the marketing side of it. Um, what would you say? I mean, because marketing is such this broad space, God. like it has yeah. so much, there's yeah. internal marketing, there's external marketing, there's, yeah. you know, paid marketing, there's, 
you know, organic. And so like, what is your specialty? Like what's the area where you really shine? Yeah. So I feel like Think3 Media really shines with content, um, really helping organizations to see the breadth of what they can develop that tells their story. I see life in cinematography like every single day. It, it doesn't even matter what it is. My brain is just on 10 and I was like, oh, that's the Aquarius in me, always floating in the sky. But that's just like, I can, somebody can tell me their story and I literally have a documentary playing in my head. And so I have people on my team who are the exact same way where we can create content or tell you what type of content cre to create that's very unique from anything you would see on the web or what competitors are doing that has life behind it, emotion, and really like connecting with your audience. And so we specialize more on content marketing uh, because I came from the influencer space, we help with influencer campaigns as well. And then it's just that storytelling aspect as well. Like with PR, we help to tell, then take that content piece and the stories you're telling and those key messages and then repeat that in a press and a media format, like getting them to tell your story for mass awareness. And so really, really good with that. There's a lot of marketing folks out there, but we collaborate with a lot of different agencies and we come together as one big agency at times to get the job done. But that is what we do. We do it well. And I don't try to deviate outside of that. I don't want to do SEO. I don't want to do paid media. I'll tell you where you can do some paid press and media, but I don't want to do digital ad campaigns. No, like <laughs> we want to help you with the content and the creative piece behind the content that you create. I was saying I interview a lot of different women with a lot of different agencies and you know a lot of us are kind of in that marketing space like even web development web design is is in the marketing space if you think about like how businesses are budgeting their dollars yeah. you know web kind of falls under marketing but you know we're not writing content we're not creating videos we're not doing animations where I mean there's a lot of pieces there. We're not doing SEO, you know? Um, so we do also have a lot of partners. And I was, as I was telling you earlier, before we got onto this podcast, we have started looking at, okay, who does what that's a woman-owned agency, you know, and, and where can we kind of branch out and, and support more women-owned agencies in where we're sort of sourcing some of our work. And so we've just been introduced to so many amazing women and are kind of just branching out so like we can expand our services now and do what you're saying. Like we can all come together and collaborate and work on this project sort of with these different specialties that we have. When you do that, do you do it? I mean, and maybe it's both is the answer. Do you do it as um, sort of subcontractors that are white labeled as Think3 Media? Or do you do it more as, you know, exposure to the other companies and the client knows all the companies that are involved? So we do it both ways. It's funny that you say that because last night I had a call where it was a it was best for them that it all goes under one umbrella. And then I have another project I'm working on where we're all going to keep our agencies pretty separate. Um, so it really just kind of depends. We figure out, you know, who brought in the project and 
we let that agency kind of make that decision based off of what they know would work best for the client. But I've had it go both ways. I think simplistically, though, if you're dealing with probably a mid to smaller type business, having it um, under one agency and white labeling the other contractors is best so that it's just very streamlined. They don't have the manpower to deal with multiple invoices and multiple people and, and all of that. And so, uh, so yeah, we do it both ways and it works. Yeah, I would agree. We do it both ways as well. And I think the other piece of that is not just the multiple invoices, it's the multiple legal contracts yeah. and the different terms that are associated with those. So if they have one partner, they know what the what terms are there. One partner, one proposal to look at, one timeline that includes everybody's deliverables instead of having to put multiple on the table and figuring out all the different pieces. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's a lot of management though. And it means that we have to find other agencies that we trust, um, right. that we know we can, they can deliver, um, that have quality work and kind of are also aligned with our values and the way that we approach work. For sure. And I feel like once you find that, which I think our partner, our partner lives grew over the pandemic, uh, which was great because so many either had clients that put projects on hold or they didn't know, you know where financially they were gonna be we were able to kind of lift each other up with the work that was available and it's still ongoing past the pandemic where, I mean, I have one agency I work with, I swear we've been on three or four like new consulting calls and I'm like, okay, so this is the thing. We're just going to keep working <laughs> and giving each other business. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's we have really, especially during the pandemic established some really strong agency partnerships, which has been fantastic. Um, yeah. One, because we do have different specialties sometimes, um, but two, also because the, the feast and famine of agency work, you know, um, sometimes, you know, one brand will have a, a flood of inquiries and the other brand won't. Um, and, you know, it's like, we already know how to work together. And so we right. can share the load and, and um, both succeed at the same time while really providing excellent service for the client. And I love it. I, I, over the pandemic, I just wanted Think3 Media, I wanted us to do the things that we do and do them very well and not have to compromise doing some other things that maybe we're not so passionate about just because the client wanted that. So having those other agencies that are so passionate about those things and being able to bring them to the table to create one beautiful agency or scope of work for the client is amazing because now we get to stick in our lane and just be excellent at the thing you know that we do really really well versus yeah yeah I mean we could do your website fine but that passion is not there so we've found agencies that are very passionate about the things that we could care less about <laughs> whereas we love doing the website of things <laughs> and are not really going to do yeah. some of the content marketing <laughs> um, so as we're talking about partnerships and things like that, you know, are there any other women owned agencies that you would love to shout out? Maybe some that you collaborate with, or maybe some that you haven't collaborated with, but like you would just love to work with them. I love working with Brass Hacks Collective. Uh, I know them. Keisha Whaley. Yes. Um, just all around, just amazing, very professional. Um, I love her work. Um, I love what Brass Tax stands for. And I love the apprenticeship they have in mentoring 
students and those that are looking to get into marketing. So just shouting out Keisha, Whaley, and Brass Tacks. Love them so much. And on the PR side, uh, we've done a lot of work with Chandra Gore Consulting out of the DMV area. Um, she's just been great for regional and national press coming in on our projects and just helping when we need help with pitching and larger press contacts. And so it's made us look very, very good. <laughs> so I love working with Chandra. She's absolutely amazing. And like I said, she's in uh, the DMV area. So we just love, 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 love her. And as far as who I would love to work with, I don't know, like I kind of fangirl here locally over Amy Powers with the Power Group. She does PR. She is like a force to be reckoned with. And I, I don't know, I would just love to, like if she ever wanted to outsource like just those baby projects, that <laughs> I would just love to be under her umbrella. Yeah. I mean, I think there are quite a few women that I just would love to work with, but you know, it's also getting the projects in <laughs> so yeah. that we can, we can find a way to collaborate. So sure. well, hopefully you and I will get to collaborate soon on things. <laughs> Especially since I said, I don't like that website part and you're like, yes, that's what we love. Yes, right? That's what we love. That's I what we do. To send your way. <laughs> um, well, I will say, you know, we were talking a little bit about the influencer stuff. We're running out of time, but I am so intrigued by that side of things. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are interested in that, but we just don't know where to start. Like one, how do you find influencers Two, And you find, I mean, like, because there are so many people that say they're influencers and we've got like these junk, like accounts being set up with like fake followers and things like that. Like what are some, like, if you have any, like, either tips or like books that you can share or podcasts that you can share for like the pitfalls that we should watch out for when we're sort of getting into that space and like maybe getting started with influencer marketing. I think one of the things is, is disassociating this term influencer to mean like they have to be a social media influencer with a certain number of followers. That is the largest pitfall. And a lot of people build campaigns that way and then end up not seeing the results they wanna see. Uh, I tell people all the time, like if I'm helping a client with a camp, like I had to turn in 20 influencers to a client this morning for her, her app. And I gave her a breath of people that have, influence in their sphere of influence they but they may have only had 2,000 followers but I know this woman is not only in politics but she's in mom groups and she's very active here here and here like that's an influencer to me um, so having a good scope of and a good mix of people that maybe have a little bit of so, their social media savvy social media following but if they post something in a Facebook group with moms and all those moms come out, that's so much better than getting the 50,000 follower person whose followers are all fake or they like the post, but they don't take action. And so that's one of the first things I tell a lot of businesses to do is disassociate influencers to meaning social media, like guru with 10,000 or more followers. Just stop doing that. You have community leaders out here who could live stream about whatever it is that you're doing and get more people to take action on that than you paying some influencer, you know, who has 500,000 followers, but nobody buys anything 
or they don't get their followers to follow you. So oh, that would be my first, <laughs> first such aspect. a good point. Such a good point. And I, I love how you brought it back to their community leaders. Like it's, it's a different term, but it's the same thing. It is. It's the same exact thing. And so this has existed for eons. <laughs> for eons. There is a speaker I really like, Lance Wallnow, and he, every time he would speak, um, and I would see him speak, he would draw these mountains on the whiteboard and he would just say, these are the different spheres of influence. And if you're a leader and you're looking to lead, you're trying to, ex you know, excel up this mountain and be at the top of your sphere of influence. So when I talk to clients, I'm like, we're not, let's not just focus on social media. Let's focus who is running these spheres of influence and then see if there's some alignment there where they would be more than happy to communicate your message or talk to their audience about what you're doing in the way that works for them. So they may have a large gathering that does not necessarily include that they're going to post on LinkedIn, Instagram, or TikTok. It may be they are an amazing speaker and can host a pop-up or host a fireside chat for you and get 200 people in the building. That's powerful. We should be creating an influencer campaign with that, you know, so we've got to get outside of these boxes of what you know, externally society has said, this is what an influencer does and influencers who call themselves influencers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. Thank you so much, Leah. That was so great. And I'm glad that we got to touch on that because I mean, you are an influencer yourself in your sphere of influence. And so thank you. I'm so glad that we got to talk today and um, have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for having me.